0: Welcome to Dear Prudence, I'm Janae Desmond-Harris and I am thrilled to say that Dear Prudence is back. If you don't know, Dear Prudence is Slate's long-running advice column, and I have the honor of being the fifth Prudy. We haven't had a podcast version of the column for a while. So many people have asked for it, and I'm happy to be able to give the people what they want. Every week, I'll be joined by a guest who brings their own unique perspective to responding to your letters. Today, that guest is Nadira Goff. Nadira is an associate writer of culture here at Slate. She's also an incredibly kind colleague who's smart, supportive, and so, so wise. This episode, we'll tackle a letter from someone worried their partner has been sent to conversion therapy. We'll also hear from a young person who can't avoid a family member who abused them. But not all the questions are so tough. I promise
1: we'll have a little fun too.
0: We'll also find out which letter made Didira say this.
1: People can be unpredictable and nonsensical. And sometimes parents and humans in general just don't make any goddamn sense.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Nadira and I will jump in with a letter about friendship and etiquette. That's coming up
2: next on Dear Prudence. Welcome, Nadira.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So you are a wise colleague who I'm really happy is here with me today because I got the sense that some of our letters were from younger readers. And I consider you to be a wise colleague
1: who happens to be on the younger side of things. Thank you. That's really great to hear. You know, I try to do the best that I can, given the age that I am, which is something I cannot change about myself. Um, So (laughs) I, I like that it's going well, you know?
0: Well, I also, I've done Uncensored with you before where we've discussed a letter between just the two of us. And I also always think you're super compassionate, uh, maybe even 5% more compassionate than I am.
1: No, not possible. Not possible. Whenever I give advice, I'm also giving advice to myself, which I don't follow, but it's nice to give it. you know. <laughs> and like you've said to
0: me before, it makes you feel important, right?
1: Yeah, it does. It makes me feel important. And like I have control over at least something or that I can be helpful in at least some way.
0: So we're both going to feel better after this conversation, regardless of how it comes out. Gosh I sure hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Ready to dive into some letters? Yeah let's do it. This letter writer signed off annoying in love.
3: I have a small but strong social circle. We're all in our mid to late 20s. One of our friends Jack has struggled a lot with mental health issues in the past but is actively working on becoming better. He announced that he was seeing someone Lucy and we were all excited. Since announcing that, he seemed happier and generally healthier, and we're all happy for him. He brought Lucy to one of our recent weekly board game nights, and we finally met her. I'm a lesbian, and I'm not sure I would go for Lucy, but it's obvious that Jack and Lucy are very much in love. It's a bit annoying, actually. Half of the conversation between or during the games was Jack and Lucy one-upping each other with compliments— They're both really into classical music and detective fiction, and we couldn't talk about music or anything tangentially related to murder all night without one of them going on a winding tangent to prove how good the other one was at music or deduction. One of the board games we played was a cooperative board game where everyone's on the same team, and it kind of felt like they were playing the game on a different planet to the rest of us. The three of us had one conversation, and the two of them had another. Jack and Lucy kept doing this thing where they celebrated every small victory by touching noses for a minute, which looked ridiculous. And they held it so long that his glasses created a mark on her forehead above her glasses every time. I don't know if it annoyed other people, but their behavior definitely annoyed me. Both of them obviously struggle with social skills, and Jack sometimes appreciates it when people call out his social faux pas. But I haven't really had to do that in a while, and he's changed so much now. He's changed for the better, but I still wouldn't want to offend him. Jack is one of my oldest and closest friends. Is what Jack and Lucy are doing actually considered poor manners? Or would it be inconsiderate of me to point it out regardless?
0: Come on. Get some of your own business to worry about and let
1: these people live. Like, congratulations. You found out you have annoying friends. It happens to the best of us. But, like, they are in love. They are happy. There's so much about this that's like, you think they're the problem. I just...
0: (laughs) With everything going on in the world... I know. You're worried about your friends kissing each other on the forehead because it's a little bit annoying.
1: It is comically cringy, but at the same time, it's one of your closest friends, right? And so I want to point out to two key sentences of this letter. The first one is the rather unnecessary and confusing and perhaps telling inclusion of the sentence, I'm lesbian and I'm not sure I would go for Lucy, but it's obvious that Jack and Lucy are very much in love. Why was that included? Oh,
0: I hadn't picked up on that. Wow. Oh my God. I'm seeing it all differently
1: now. (laughs) The letter writer is a little bit into Lucy. I feel as though it must be true. Wow. The letter doesn't lie. Because why are you offering us that piece of information unless you're trying to convince yourself that that's not what's going on here.
0: That is so telling, and that just went right over my head. Because
1: you know what? I'm also a master of deduction, so let me deduce a little. (laughs) Like, Jack and Lucy, let me deduce a little and say that maybe the call is coming from inside the house, Mm. and maybe we just need to, like, investigate ourselves a little bit further, figure out what it is that's triggering us specifically about this, Mm. because I feel as though my first instinct when I'm in a group of friends, all of which I trust and like something weird is going on, my very first instinct is to turn to the other people who are not involved and be like, did you find that weird? Or was it Mm -hmm. just me? And so the fact that this letter writer hasn't really asked any of the other people at the game night whether this behavior also annoyed them is mm-hmm. a little bit weird. Like, do you have a group chat? You didn't just text someone to be like, that was weird, right? Or that was kind of annoying, right? Or just share a look. right? Make eye contact and a little eye roll. The idea that you don't know how anyone else present at the party mm. feels about this, and also the idea that you included the lesbian sentence, I feel like is very <laughs> telling. Yeah, there's there's more going on here that meets the eye. Yes. Yeah, I think it would be
0: inconsiderate of you to point it out that they had poor manners just What would be the goal? I don't understand what the goal would even be of having that confrontation. The letter writer needs to kind of go inside herself yes. and figure out why this is so bothersome and push past poor manners. Because I think in a social circle of people in mid to late 20s who are hanging out very informally, manners is not really even a thing. Right. These are your friends. You don't think about manners when you're hanging out with your friends and the person you're dating. Um, As long as no one's being harmed, that's not really a concern and not something you monitor other people for. Right. Yeah. So it's like definitely a topic for deep introspection is what's really bothering me about this situation.
1: And it's jealousy. Of some variety. Like it seems as though it's probably jealousy because the letter writer is into Lucy, but maybe it's just jealousy that the letter writer isn't in a committed relationship, right? Like, it could be Mm -hmm. lots of varieties of jealousy, and so I don't actually want to pigeonhole them into one. But I do think investigating oneself is always a good piece of advice in any situation. But I Mm -hmm. also just want to point out, there's nothing new or singular about this. Like, I think everyone in the world has those friends that are just a little bit too lovey-dovey for comfort when... They're with their other friends. Right. Mm -hmm. But we love them. And so we should be happy that they're in love. Overall, it should be kind of like cringy, but still kind of touching. And I feel Mm -hmm. as though if you're not feeling that, like if you can't get to that leap of like, I care about this person and seeing them in love makes me happy, then there's definitely some investigating that needs to go on. Shout out to Jack and Lucy, man. They're just trying to make it. It's hard out here.
0: <laughs> I'm happy for them. And I would like the letter writer to get some other business to mind.
1: Yeah, write back to us when you uh, when you figure out what's going on there. Inquiring minds would like to know. I think we did a pretty solid job on that. Let's take a quick break and come back. Yeah, I think I'll be thinking about that letter for forever, but I could use a break, too. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating.
2: As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com/easy. That's S K Y L I G H T C A L.com/easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com/easy. Can't get enough dear prudence? Then you should definitely
0: join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site, including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash prudyplus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash prudyplus. Okay, welcome back to Dear Prudence. Hope you're well-rested from that break and ready to sort through these letters with us. Nadira, I have to say, I'm so happy you're still here with me because the questions get a little more intense
1: from here on out. I'm also still glad I'm here, but I think I'm going to put on my thinking cap for these.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's dive in. This next letter is called Partner Might Be in Conversion Therapy.
5: I don't even know if this is the right place to ask for help, but I'm trying everything I can. To sum it up, me and my partner have been together for six months, and it's been one of the happiest times of my life. Their mother is very Christian and disapproves of our not-hetero relationship, but hasn't made an effort to fully separate us. Until now. We called yesterday and everything was fine. They mentioned that all their siblings were going to be away at various things for the week, and that they were looking forward to the alone time. Today is our six-month anniversary, and I was so excited to message and celebrate. However, this morning I received a message from their mother, using their account. She told me that they will be away at a wilderness therapy program for at least four months, and that they will not be able to contact me in any way during this program. I tried to get more information without upsetting her, but all she would say is that my partner is doing great, and that it's a great program, and that I should talk with a therapist about my feelings on this. Prudy, I'm so shocked and angry and upset and most of all absolutely terrified for their safety. Is this program some form of conversion therapy? And even if it isn't, will they make it through this okay? My partner is one of the strongest people I know, and they have already been through so much in their life. They struggle with their mental health, but have been doing really well recently and don't have any behavioral issues or addictions that would warrant being sent away for so long. I am utterly lost as to how I can help them and get through this myself four months means they won't be back at classes with me this fall, only 36 more days until we thought we would be able to see each other again. I know wilderness therapy and other correctional programs kidnap their patients from their homes with no warning, and that this is all perfectly legal. We're both still minors and I'm not entitled to any information about their safety. So what can I do? How can I make it through this, and more importantly, how can I keep any faith that they will survive this too? I feel so helpless and numb.
0: So, Nadir, I can see on Zoom I'm over here with my head in my hands. Yeah. I don't know. Please tell me you have answers.
1: Okay. The first thing I want to say is that the letter writer is correct in thinking that something really fishy is going on here. First of all, calling it a wilderness therapy program instead of just, like, wilderness outdoorsy camp (laughs) is um, very telling. So I'm not going to say that this is or isn't conversion therapy, because at the end of the day, we do not know. But I do want to point out that there are plenty of other ways that this could have been presented to the letter writer. And it was presented as wilderness therapy in which the letter writer's partner could not reach the letter writer for at least four months. And that to me does sound very non-consensual and just very, very... Even if it's not conversion therapy, even if it's
0: wilderness therapy for run-of-the-mill straight bad teens, it's horrible.
1: It is horrible. Just the idea that you cannot reach this person is very, very concerning. Additionally, the idea that the mother of the partner personally reached out to you and suggested that you talk to your therapist about this, I think is also incredibly concerning. I would not trust that what's going on with your partner was consensual by them in any way. I would not trust that it was something that they had known about beforehand. It does seem very concerning to me. But with that being said, unfortunately, I do not think that there's much that you can do as the letter writer in the situation. I do think there are a few things you can do, though they be minor, they might help. Again, if you have a therapist, it sounds like you might, then I think that you should definitely talk to someone about what you're feeling and your role in all this and all you can do or how you personally can get through this. I think you should talk to your family and your parents. And I think you should maybe talk to any other adults who are not minors who could potentially find any information about what camp this is, where your partner was sent, like literally any information. Again, there is a circumstance in which this is legal, but that doesn't mean that there's not more information that you could find out about this if you are also working with someone who's not a minor, someone who's an adult. And so I feel like talking to the people who you know, who you trust about what's going on and seeing the ways in which they can help you is maybe the first place to start but like I don't know where to where to go from there like people can be unpredictable and nonsensical and sometimes parents and humans in general just don't make any goddamn sense as you were talking
0: it occurred to me that I think probably the best thing the letter writer can do for their own mental health just to feel productive during this time And to help their friend is to make a really good plan to support them when they get out. Yeah. So to me, that would involve trying to reach out to people who have been through conversion therapy. And I haven't checked, but I feel confident that there are like groups and organizations and support groups and people who have written articles and have online communities. Find those people, talk to them and ask them what your friend is going to need when they're finally freed from this awful place And when they get out, have people lined up. So a mentor type figure, someone around their age who's been through something similar, a therapist who's affordable and accessible to them, and a group of friends who have come together and made a plan for how to support someone who's been through something that I'm pretty sure is really terrible and hopefully
1: will not, quote unquote, work. I think that that's great advice. I would also advise to maybe write down Everything. I feel like mm. this is a time in your life where you should be writing down everything. The letter writer should be writing down exactly what was said to them by the parents of their partner. All of the sort of behavior from the last time they talked to their partner to the radio silence now. Um, everything that they were told, any information that they can gather. But then also how they're feeling, what they're doing, what their sort of day-to-day has been like, any big things that have happened or will happen during this time, Mm -hmm. Um, I think that not only would it be helpful for the letter writer just to sort of have something to do and have some sort of documentation, but there could be a situation in which this documentation is also useful to your partner once they make it out of whatever situation it is that they're in.
0: And I think it would be so helpful for their partner to know when they get out that people were thinking about them during this whole time and they weren't forgotten.
1: I kind of want to address the last question, um, the more importantly, which is how can I keep any faith that they will survive this too? Mm. The one thing about faith that's like really freaking annoying Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that there is no like how you kind of just have to have it. You just have to find it. You just have to summon it from somewhere. And... It seems as though if you're strong enough to write this letter to us and if you are strong enough to worry about this person and to try everything you can, like you said you were doing, and if you're strong enough to reach out to all these people in your life and get all this information, then I think you are strong enough to be strong enough for the both of you until your partner makes it out of whatever situation that they're in. I don't think it will always be easy. I don't think it's easy at all, actually. But I think that it's maybe important. And I think that it's something that you're capable of. But I don't think that there's one answer to how to keep your faith in any situation. But what I can say is that it seems like you're capable of keeping it and of having it. And you're already making good steps, which is asking for help. And so I want to encourage you to be strong and to keep your faith and to just try and and make it through these next four or so months um, while you sort of figure out what else you can do. But I don't think that that always means that there's nothing in your power to do. And I feel as though you can definitely do some things that, though they might seem meaningless, will be entirely meaningful. It's just maybe not in this moment but I would still encourage the letter writer to do them.
0: Totally agree. You're listening to Dear Prudence. When we come back, more letters.
1: And hopefully more good
0: advice. Stay with us.
6: Adultish is back.
5: And this season, we're talking about standing up and learning how to take a stand for issues on the minds of young people. Like... Book bans.
4: The book banning side, they have an incredibly well-oiled machine. Filling in food deserts.
5: We have three community colleges where we either provide food boxes or an actual operating farmer's market. And what's affecting young people's mental and emotional health.
3: Pressures of school, friendships from romantic relationships, pressures from family.
5: New episodes of Adultish from YR Media drop every Thursday, so subscribe wherever you're listening now.
0: Welcome back to Dear Prudence. My guest Nadira and I are ready to dive back into your letters. Nadira, ready for this?
1: Yeah, I think I still got a little gas left in the tank. Let's go.
0: Oh, I'm sure you have tons left. I do too. <laughs> this letter is called Tired and Confused.
3: My family, parents, siblings, remain in contact with my half-brother who sexually assaulted me as a child. He also has done many other very messed up things to other family members, i.e. leaving my mother with $30,000 worth of credit card debt. I told my mother a couple of years ago what happened, and she was incredibly upset and took him out of her inheritance, but to date, still occasionally has him over and talks to him regularly. No one else in my family knows, and I'm forced to interact with him occasionally as well, and I feel sort of gaslighted by the entire situation since no one else seems to be acknowledging what's going on. I'm sort of just committed to waiting till I'm financially stable enough to be able to leave, get therapy, and not have to deal with any of it, but I don't really know how to not fall apart in the meantime.
0: So this is my least favorite category of letters. Letters from... Teenagers or young people are people who just aren't able to leave their parents home yet, who are in a really bad situation, because there's just really no making it better. In this case, I would say to the letter writer, your brother sexually abusing you is awful. Your mother not standing behind you 100% is awful. It makes it worse. And you could respond absolutely perfectly to this situation. And it would still be a major tragedy that nobody could fault you if it got in the way of you living a happy life. This is just a horrible thing to have to go through. So I hate it when I feel like there's nothing I can say that will make it better. But I do think we can answer the narrow question they asked, which is how do I not fall apart in between now and when I can move out and get therapy?
1: Yeah, I was wondering around what age the letter writer is. I feel like if they're still, let's say that they are not yet in college, Mm -hmm. and that they are perhaps in high school. I would encourage them to do multiple things. I would encourage them to spend as much time with their friends and at their friends' homes as humanly possible. All of my friends in high school, we kind of just hung out with each other at each other's homes at various Mm -hmm. points. And so I feel like there's an easy way to do that without actually explaining what's going on at home if you don't want to. But I also think that maybe you should and that maybe you should talk to your school guidance counselor or therapist and see what sort of advice that they have to offer um, and what sort of therapeutic services that they can potentially give, even if it's not, you know, above the board, like therapy therapy, even just talking to your guidance counselor at school. Hopefully they could be helpful. Hopefully they can help mitigate some of the, confusing feelings you're having about having to go home every day. I want to make one thing clear, and I want that to be that what is going on is not okay. Like, like, I really want the letter writer to know that their family not supporting them, and also that them still having to talk to this half-brother occasionally and pretend like nothing happened is incredibly traumatic. It's not Mm -hmm. okay. And I want them to know that that's true, right? Like, I I don't want them to second-guess their parents' behavior or their family's behavior, like, it's actually just not helpful to you. And I I personally don't think it's okay. But I do think that there are hopefully maybe other resources out there at school or with your friends or with your friends' parents that, you know, you can maybe talk to to help get some advice or even just to have a home away from home, even if it's just for a little while, if things get too heavy. Like, if you need to avoid those bigger family dinners where you have to pretend that everything's okay, then maybe have dinner at a friend's house. Or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. if there's any way for you to remove yourself from the situation, I would see if you could take it. But I Mm -hmm. also understand that it's not a solid permanent solution. And like you were saying, it's just like... It's all just incredibly horrible.
0: People can't see, but I was nodding vigorously when you suggested (laughs) talking to someone. Um, And I love what you said about a guidance counselor or a friend's parents. Yeah. Because I was thinking, well, try to find, you know, free or sliding scale therapy um, or use one of those text message therapy services. It's more affordable, but I know how hard that is. I have pretty good health insurance and I can't find a therapist who's someone who looks like a person I would want to speak to and has availability and takes my insurance. It's so, so hard. Yeah. So I love the idea of a guidance counselor if the letter writer is in high school. And friends' parents are such good resources. I think a broader piece of advice I would give to anyone in high school or college is get to know your friends' parents. Yeah. Even if you aren't going through a hard time, they can be such wonderful people to have in your life and just sort of enrich your community with people who aren't your parents, but have that wisdom and sort of care for you. So I think that's wonderful advice. And more broadly, I want the letter writer to not let this become a secret or a source of shame. Yeah. So I really think that they should just air this out completely. By that, I mean, um, tell your mom explicitly that you don't want to interact with him. Tell other people in your family what happened. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. But I think you take, I think the letter writer can take some power back by not being bullied into keeping this secret along with the rest of the family or acting like it didn't happen along with the rest of the family. Um, If you feel at all comfortable, tell a a trusted friend. I just think there's something very powerful about not holding this inside. Because when you hold something inside, it can start to feel like it's your problem. And it's not. So I want them to sort of create a narrative about their own life that a terrible thing happened to me that was really unfair um, And I'm going to try to heal and get past it rather than, you know, I'm not allowed to speak about it or I just have to endure
1: this. Or this is something that I have to deal with and solve, yeah. right? Like, that's yeah. just not the case.
0: I don't even really see them raising, speaking to anyone else about it as an option here. And I just want yeah. to plant that seed that you can say, Mom, I told you this and you didn't change anything. Can you stop having him over? Or I will be leaving when he comes over. Right. And I also think the brother needs to be spoken to. I think yeah. a good way to sort of bridge this time when the letter writer is still at home and has to deal with it is to start a letter to the brother about what he did and how painful it was and how they won't be having a relationship with him anymore. And just have the draft, you know, in Google Docs or whatever, mm-hmm. and be ready to deliver it or send it when you move out. Um, because yeah. you don't want to have to deal with any aftermath if it's bad. Yeah. This is what I always do when I'm miserable at a job. Um, the minute I get into my head that I just do not want to work there anymore or, you know, I hate my manager or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm writing my resignation letter about everything and how terrible it is. And every mm-hmm. time something happens, I'm putting it in that Google Doc. I never send it, obviously, but it makes you feel better at the time to just sort of be getting getting the feelings out of your head and onto paper. Yeah. So I would really suggest that. and. You know, when it feels safe, consider having an actual confrontation with him because he's living his life very peacefully and you're not, and that's not fair.
1: It's not fair. And I really love the idea that you suggested of writing a letter that you'll never send. I do think that that's just always in any situation, sage advice. The one thing that I also want to expand upon that you mentioned earlier is that I don't know if you're the same, Janae, or if the letter writer is the same, but I have a humongous family I have a Mm -hmm. huge family, and I love them all to death. And one thing that I am consistently realizing as I'm getting older is that, like, this is not just my aunt. This is not just my cousin. This is a person who has lived a life, who has lived Mm. experiences that could relate to mine in a way that maybe my parents don't or in a way Mm -hmm. that maybe my siblings don't. And so who's to say that if you told a cousin or an aunt or uncle that they wouldn't 100% back you up, right? Because maybe they feel differently. Maybe they know someone who was abused or assaulted before. Maybe they have experience, you know, in this area in some way. Like, who's to say that you wouldn't actually have someone by your side if you reached out to the other members of your family? And I know when you're younger, it's like, well, why would I? Like, that's just my aunt, right? Right, right. You don't know the life that she's led or the friends that she's had or the situations that she's been in or had to mediate herself already. And so and I think that that's true for like every member of your family, the same way that it's true for yourself. And if you think about if you had a child or a cousin or a niece or nephew and they were going through something and they didn't tell you how you would maybe feel about, mm-hmm. you know, your family and about the secrets that are being withheld from you personally. And so I, I think that maybe in your heart of hearts, you might know a good external family member that you could talk to if there is one. And I would encourage you to maybe try and figure out who that person could be, um, because they might be a good resource instead of just like, airing things out at one time to your whole family, there's maybe, like, a really cool older cousin or a really cool uncle or a really cool aunt or something that you know would be receptive to your experiences and what you're going through and would maybe help you and back you up.
0: The one thing I would push back on in the letter is the idea of feeling gaslit by the whole situation Mm -hmm. because you can't feel gaslit by people who you haven't given a chance to be there for you. So absolutely feel gaslit if you tell a few family members and they say, no way that didn't happen. But give them a chance to hear you, give them a chance to believe you and give them a chance to validate you and make this um, period of your life less painful.
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: Thank you so much, Nadira, for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: I feel like there were some really hard letters today. Like I said, I do think They were from a lot of young people who were dealing with some really heavy stuff. So I just appreciated having you kind of in the room with me, helping me sort through their problems, and I hope we were helpful.
1: Yeah, I think that we were helpful. I mean, I also at least hope so. I think being here and going over these letters with you helped me really be grateful for the platform that we have, but it also helped me realize that sometimes life... It's just really hard, and the best we can do is the best we can, you know?
0: Absolutely. Well, I know we'll have you on again because you always help people do their best a little better in this hard life.
1: Oh, thank you. That is so sweet. I'm going to go cry now. Okay.
0: (laughs) Do you need help getting along with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's Slate.com forward slash P-R-U-D-I-E. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday. And you can join us for the Dear Prudy live chat on Mondays at noon Eastern.
1: If you would like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their question for the show. You can stay anonymous. Dear Prudence is produced by Kayla Lattimore. Editorial help from Paola De Verona and Sierra Spragley-Ricks.
0: Daisy Rosario is Senior Supervising Producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. I'm your dear prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Until next time.
6: You know how to book flights and hotels.
0: Here's a taste of the great content made just for members. Besides that, um, just on a positive note, Hmm. I'm just happy this letter writer has her own family Mm. and or kids. I don't know. She didn't mention a spouse. Um, But because it's just really sad if your dad has decided to marry this woman who has this white supremacist gang member son. And he's I hate to say it, but choosing them over you. Yeah, I mean, I, you know how it is, man, when you're like in a, in a new relationship and like everybody, I mean, when you get married, I mean, theoretically, what you're telling other people is that I choose you before anybody else, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, the father did do this. I don't know if he knew about the
5: <laughs> the white gang member <laughs> stepson or not, pre- he really can't do anything about that. Now, it would make me worry about the person I was marrying, but her son turned out that mm-hmm. way, but well, whatever. Um, but yeah, so- I just want to know what kind of relationship this person has with their father.
0: Mm.
5: Um, Because it seems like they should be reaching out to their father to do the
0: work of maintaining and nurturing that relationship. If you want access to moments like that every week, join Slate Plus. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash prudy plus.